0: Folks, we did it. We did it. I did it, rather. I'm fully vaxxed. I'm a fully vaxxed king, everybody. A few episodes, uh, a few episodes ago, I was a half-vaxxed king. This time, I, co- I come to you. I speak to you now, fully vaxxed. That is the title I've given myself. I am the fully vaxxed king. It's what it is. No, I got the two pricks. Got them both in the arm. I, I probably could have chose better words to to, to describe that just there, but it's that's it's what I said, and I'll have you respect my decision. No, but I did it. And I it, it I got it done quicker than I thought I would. But my sisters and my parents had to book like two weeks ahead of time to get theirs, and I called in on the Monday. I got it done on the Tuesday. They just happened to have an open spot at Shoppers and i was a little off put at first i thought i had been i i i'd had been had as they said on the uh, they say on the street i thought uh, they were they were tricking me somehow and i don't know what what exactly if they were tricking me what why for whatever reason i don't know if there was like a a vindictive pharmacist on the other end of the counter who just wanted to inject people with anthrax I, but i felt like i was getting like an off the truck dose cuz it did happen so quickly i had to go in and go is this for real is this the thing and it was for real. I it was. Uh, I got it done pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. And My sisters were mad because they still had a few days out until there. They they had to get vaxed on the weekend, and they were like, "Why are you getting it?" So can we cut the line? I'm like, "No, I'm the oldest child. This is uh, I'm entitled, and this is what it is." If you have any complaints, I would have you uh, consult the the big pharma overlords because i am but a simple youtube writer there's not much i can do to help the situation but i got it uh i gave my i uh, gave him a fake address not a like a address like out of the blue like uh i live on 123 abigail road or some shit like that no i gave him my parents address which i was technically staying at my parents place but i i, I didn't want them to Look at the – I I didn't want them to look at my real address of my apartment in the city and say, well, you don't – because I was – I already thought that this was peculiar enough that I was getting it done this quickly. I didn't want there to be any hiccups. I didn't want there to be any shit. So I gave them my parents' address, and like now that I think of it, there was nothing, but I didn't want them to see my address and see a different postal code and say, no, get out of here. We're not giving it to you. But at the same time, like, there's nothing to worry. There's people coming from miles away, driving hours to different places to get a more available brand of vaccine. There's people who have apps. There's like an underground black market network of people that are, hey, this is where you get the nearest dose. Hey, you live in Kitchener? You got to go to Burlington, man. Just, you know, hop on the highway and you're you're there in 45 tops. Now, that kind of scares me. Uh, I mean, you know, if we if we do have uh, if we do have vaccines, I think that there should be just one official website that says, hey, this is where it is. I don't think that the civilians uh, need to take that into their own hands and uh, show, you know, I think it's indicative of a society that's entering the seventh layer of hell when uh, there's just people trading, hey, this is where, this is the coolest dose, this is that. And again, I'm for the people having power and control. This is the challenge of living in a democracy. But I I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm just, I'm saying, whatever. I got the second dose, and it was was very quick. It was the old in-out. I sat down. She injected me with the Thrax and I was on my merry way. Actually, not really. I had to wait 15 minutes in the pharmacy in case I passed out. That's that's the deal. You can't just leave. I guess you technically can leave. I guess I, there's nobody stopped. There's no security guard. There's nothing. It's a fucking farm. Actually, I guess there, I have seen security guards at pharmacies. But there was nobody there stopping me. I could have just left, but I decided not to because I do get freaked out when I have a substance from a needle that has just been put into me. It does weird me out, but it, it was it's an unconventional, but there was no place to sit around, to wait. They usually have a, a waiting area designated for people who are freshly vaxxed to sit there and wait the 15 minutes anticipating whatever, passing out, fainting, eyes bleeding, whatever the side effects are. But the last time, my first dose, I, had, I got it in a gymnasium, and I, I they had a designated spot for people to sit. My phone battery died, so I basically had to stare at other people with their shitty kids on their laps who wants to do that it's either my phone screen or the floor that's all i'm looking at i have no time for eye contact and no it's not i'm not trying to be patronizing it's just my those are just my ways no i was just sitting there looking they had a clock there that you would run out and you you just waited 15 minutes and then you got to you got to check out and go but my God, without a phone, that was boring. It was like waiting for a, a basketball quarter that was never going to end. But I got it done and I, I left. But this the, walking around this pharmacy, waiting for it, it's like you know, I was just walking around. I went into, the, I, I was looking at greeting cards. I was looking at. They had like a DVD rack that you could like spin and look at that. And it was, that was creepy. Anticipating passing out, just. to... I didn't want to do it. It was, uh, ugh. you know, and God forbid I, I collapsed in the hair dye aisle in between L'Oreal and Gillette. Ugh. Anyways, I left, I got home, my God, when they said that that second vax was going to be different, that second dose was going to be different. I had no, I had no idea what they were going to, what was in store for me in the coming hours. It took a few hours to kick in, but it beat the shit out of me at night. I had a fever. I I had the chills. I had to get a second blanket. I didn't know what I was doing. It's one of those things when you're an adult and you're sick, you got to fend for yourself. There's no mommy making chicken noodle soup with a little bit of oatmeal and just serving it to you on a tray. You got to, you're in it on your own. Oh, and it lasted like, and the thing was, it lasted like five hours and then I was good. I didn't sleep the whole night. I woke up very tired, had to do work still. You know, I didn't, I didn't take the day off or any shit like that. I probably could have, but again, I'm a man. You don't tell me that I need a moment to think and, you know, refuel. What if this was 200 years ago? When If you had a fever 200 years ago, there was no, med- really, there was a guy that passed through your town with a wagon that was pulled by either an ox, a donkey, or a horse. And that guy would come once a year with some medicine and said, hey, this is your bottle. Whether it's a snake bite, whether it's a cold, whether it's cancer, whether it's anything, this is what you have, all right? Don't run out because there's no one here for miles that is going to assist you so you had to ration this tiny little red that you don't even know what it is you didn't even know what the fuck it was but it just it one one drop cures all that was what you had and if you didn't have it and you were sick fucking one sneeze and you were done Holy shit, you cleared your throat. You turn inside out. It was a wild time. I wouldn't be able to survive in that. Anytime I'm sick or anything like that, I always think about okay, like what did my ancestors have to do? What would they think about me in a situation like this? What would they think about? What would my great grandfather and my great uncles who fought in world wars think about me in this moment? If there is a heaven and they are looking down on me, if that concept truly is exists, hypothetically, if they are looking down, what are they going to think about me right now? I'm, I'm some first-world fuckhead who has all the medicine available to me. When they lived in a time where they were digging up fucking apple cores and garbage cans, and they had to fend for themselves. That's one of the reasons why now when I'm sick... I decide to have no medicine. In fact, if I'm sick during the wintertime, I go outside in the frigid cold weather, and I stand there for about one to two hours. Just, just to prove to my great-grandfather and great-uncle who fought in the Navy, whose ship was apparently torpedoed in World War II, uh, I just want to – I just want to prove – I never met them. I just want to show them that I, too, can, can be a man. Uh, but it's, uh, that uh, that fever that I had from that second dose fucked me up royally. Thinking of suing the Moderna, those sons of bitches making me sick. Uh, I'm going after you, and no, that's not a physical threat; that is a legal threat. I'm going. I don't know if there's a litigator that specializes in suing big pharma for civilians. I'm sure there is. There, there definitely is. People who have gone after big pharma, but whether or not it's worked. We're going to see. I'm just that stubborn. Uh, Oh, man. But glad to be vaxxed. I'm kidding. I'm not going after Big Pharma. I have other things to do. All right? I know at the end of the day, they win. R.I.P. John McAfee or McAfee, however you say it. I didn't know. I didn't know who this guy was before all of this. Apparently, he's um, the inventor of the, uh, the first antivirus software, whatever it was, McAfee software. I, I, my dad was the guy who, who pronounced his last name properly for me because I was calling him McAfee for a while. I think, think McAfee is the way to go. But I don't, I don't know what this guy did, why he was in jail. I got to read up more. on. I don't even know if I should be talking about it, really. I'm, I'm doing this new thing. It's called shutting the fuck up about stuff I know nothing about. I'm still in my beginning stages. I'm, I'm, I'm in a trial period right now. I think it's going okay. I'm keeping some friends. But, uh, yeah, this guy was big shit, and he was found uh, hanging in his jail cell. Not a good look, not a good look, and he uh, he has some connections. I I again I don't know should I edit this part out of the recording? (laughs) I know nothing about this. What am I doing? I'm in I'm 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 in uncharted waters. These are uncharted waters for me. I know nothing about other than the name and the circumstances. He was found dead. But no, my dad knows. My dad knew him. He's like McAfee software. That was the first antivirus software that I had for the computer. And I don't even know why I'm giving him that voice. He's 58. He's still a spry gentleman. He's he's out there. He's not even an old man. He's just uh, that's just any any back in my day sort of story. I, I give that voice. If it was a guy who was 25, I would give him that voice. I went to a kegger last week. I sucked out of a beer bong. It was really great. There's nothing better than some nice cold Molson Canadian sliding down your throat, bro. No, I don't know why I gave my my dad the, the Joe Biden, Steve Rogers at the end of Avengers Endgame voice. It just it is what it is. No, my dad's, uh, no, my dad's, whatever. But that, that was, that was, my dad was saying to me that John McAfee, that was the guy that, uh, or McAfee, whatever the fuck, Johnny Mac. Okay, that's what I'm calling them. No, but a pretty fucked up situation. You know what? I'll read more up on this, and I will. I will get back to you with, <laughs> with, with my truth, everybody. Uh, I don't know if they're the facts. Uh, the The modern media is known to twist things. I don't know if you've heard. Oh my. Yeah, I hey, I I did a video on TikTok this week. I did a couple of videos that I'm really happy with that were funny, and I just kind of did them on a whim. But I I it was an initiative. I I I just I just did them and I put them out. And there was one that gained a lot of traction, not too much traction, but a, a more than the usual amount of traction that I'm used to. It got it's it's at about forty three hundred views so far. And I released it a little over 24 hours ago. And it was on TikTok. And I'm just, I'm talking, but I, I, I'm i glad that people are, are responding well to it. It's a very funny video. And I'm talking about, it was one of those stitch ones where there's this girl who asks, What's the first thing you're going to do post COVID? Be honest. And that's what she. and then I most people say, well, I'm going to fuck everything in sight. And then another person goes, well, I'm going to go onto a patio and have some nachos. right. You you have fun just just sticking it to whoever you're going to stick it to. There's just a bunch of little quick answers like that. They're kind of funny. But and I did this long winded thing where I'm like, I'm going to throw a party. And it was obviously a joke. I'm like, I'm going to throw a party. It's going to be underneath a circus tent. It was one left to me by my uncle in his will from his days as a carny, and it's going to be under a circus tent, and it's it, there's going to be beer and pizza and cotton candy dipped in PCP, and obviously that's a fucking joke. I don't even know what PCP is. I don't even know if it still exists. I think we're, we're as a society, probably past PCP, but whatever. It was the thing. I don't want to have party. I don't want to have anything. It was just this funny thing, and people responded really well to it, except for the one or two people in the comments who were like, oh, my God, this sounds amazing. When and where is this party? And I had people fucking d- and DMing me, asking me where the party is, so I eventually had to put out in the comments, this is not for real. I am comedian. I tell ha ha I am no party is happening. I had to sound it out for people. And I, I don't so I, I feel like I should uh say on this podcast, which is really my largest, most popular platform, uh I I feel like not only do I have the moral responsibility, but at this point the legal responsibility to tell you that there is no party. It's all a fucking joke, it's all a performance art. That's what that's what you want from people. That's 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 all you want from an artist to justify their uh, <laughs> their work is just, you know, it's a performance art. Yeah, you know, I, I painted the side of that brick wall in somebody's blood. But hey, it's it's you know, it's it's all it's all in the name of, uh, you know, creativity. No, but there's there's no party happening. It is what it, I'm done with the parties. I'm past that. I was pretended like I, I used to have people over and this and that just as a way to be social. You know, I, I was never a party guy growing up. I was always kind of the fucking shy kid. It would just, you know, it's all bullshit. I was you know, a fucking idiot. But I, I was shy. I was I was not always the one who was going out on Friday nights, Saturday nights, doing the shit. And the parties that I did go to were crazy. It wasn't until my uh, eighteen, nineteen. Going up to my buddy's uh, my buddy's college town in Kitchener University, whatever. Uh, you know, he went to Laurier and they would have all these crazy parties, and they would have foam parties, and it was, you know, uh, I went to the Oktoberfest celebration. Those were really the first shindigs that I was attending. Really. The high school parties that I did go to just savages everywhere, in every room. Holes getting kicked through the drywall. I was at parties so fucking, like, just, people were just so dragged out. I don't know if they were struck. I don't know what was happening. But the party, it went so late. There were people pouring them, just, there were kids walking around with bowls of cereal. Just eating cereal. A beer in one hand, Captain Crunch in the other. I mean, again, the challenges of living in a democracy. But it was a little weird. And I remember... There was a girl getting drunk. She had a beer, she had the beer bong. This is like grade eleven. She had the uh, the baby assignment where you had to have that toy baby walking around. She had a the, the toy baby in the sling because she couldn't she couldn't leave it at home, so she brought the baby to the party and she's just walking around with it. But it's it's better a fake one than a real one. All right. Although I would admire a mother who likes to get down, bringing her baby to a party once in a while. Just you know, moms need to smoke and drink as well. All right, they they need a they they need their off time. If they can't find a sitter, well, <laughs> buckle up, Chucky. That's the name for every baby boy that I have. Just the the baby from Child's Play. Uh, no, but I was at some really fucking wild parties. And uh, I guess this is just kind of a segue from the, the TikTok video that I did. Uh, once again, party not happening, just so you know, before I get into this. But I I was at some wild parties uh, in like my earlier, like a decade ago. The craziest party that I still ever oh, – actually, there were probably two. There were two crazy parties that I attended As a young man, as a young, I still consider myself a young man, but I was, uh, I was close to a, my brain was underdeveloped, okay, during these years. When I was 16, the craziest high school party that I ever attended, the one, uh, the one or two that I did, the one that was just the wildest was uh, a kid who's, who will remain nameless, who threw a party in September. My friend Nick uh, dragged me along to this. And I remember I brought, like, a condom or something like that. I brought something there just on the off chance that I was going to get lucky that some girl was just going to fucking whisk me away. No, my my friend Nick dragged me to this party, grade 11. I was 16. And it was – there was probably about 100 kids in this tiny little house. It was on uh, – was it on it was on Folkway Drive in Mississauga. It was about five minutes away from where I live. And uh the party was going okay. I I wasn't drinking beer at that time, so I just kind of had to just pretend like, hey, I'm 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 feeling a little wobbly. I think it's hitting me. And yet nothing was hitting me. Nothing was hit. I wasn't on anything. I was just like, hey, yeah, this is me. I'm just uh trying to fit in. I'm just uh yeah, definitely not a narc here, people. I'm just uh yeah, I'm just walking around. Hey, what is that? Is that uh, is that gray goose? Uh, no, it's orange juice. Okay, well, you know, I can't. Uh, totally unhip. Knew nothing about alcohol drinking. None of that shit. Those were the days. But I remember this one party. Uh, at a, it was going fine until about twelve thirty when the Arendelle kids showed up. Now, I went to Loyola Catholic School. The Arendelle kids were the public school kids. They were the big, bad public school kids. And as a a young kid growing up Catholic, there's a weird perception that you have of public school kids. I remember the first time as going to Catholic school that I met public school kids. It was off the school grounds. It was almost like that scene in Lion King where they first meet the hyenas. They just crawled out of a human skull somewhere of just some person that they ate alive, and they, they uh, <laughs> like they were fucking laughing and throwing shit at us because they saw our school uniforms, and it was it was terrifying. It was really just not a good moment. Anyways, these Arendelle kids show up to this party, and they immediately just want to start fighting people. I remember I had blonde hair at that time because I thought I was Eminem again, eccentric child. Probably deserved an ass whipping or two. But these kids, I remember they wanted to kick my ass. They wanted to fucking just throw down with me, and I wasn't a fighter, so I backed away. My buddy Nick stepped in front of me and said, okay, just go away. Don't talk to them. Don't do anything. They tried to egg me on. Anyways, they went up to another kid, and there was this tiny little kid. I'm not going to say his name, but there was a tiny kid with this whole group of people. and they were the, the big kids, when there's a small kid, the small guys always have bigger friends. They always have bigger friends, and the bigger friends are not there for th- his protection. He's there to be used as bait for the bigger kids to get into a fight. So when you start fighting the little guy, the big guys all now have an excuse to scrap. That's just the science of fighting that I've observed over the years, multiple fucking times. So they all get into a, sure enough, the little kid eggs them all, eggs this one guy on, and he just, I think it was my buddy's cousin. And he's my buddy's cousin was like a big buff guy, like just a big fucking muscular dude, uh, tank top on, you know, fucking diamond earrings, cringeworthy appearance, probably deserved an ass whipping. Anyways, uh, he starts beating this little uh, this kid out on the lawn and his friend steps in, fucking rips his shirt. And uh, he steps in and then the two of them start going at it. And that, that was how it worked. But I, I just remember how fucking crazy it was because the walls did get kicked in and and uh, the liquor cabinet was raided and, and some windows were smashed and the police eventually came and kicked everybody out. And uh, that was that was the wild high school party that I had because there were there were a few fights. then And oh, then a kid got a bottle chucked at him that didn't break. It just flew into his face and then bounced and I guess hit the grass or some shit. But it didn't break when it hit his face. I, I remember seeing that. And that was fucking you know that that's I guess uh you live and you learn that's your youth. The kid was fine, I think he just mouthed off to the wrong person. I don't know you 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 don't insult a guy's girlfriend when she's there with her baby, fake or not fake, kids really young people, and I'm talking about young teenagers especially really find every every trick in the book. They learn every trick in the book on how to fuck other young kids over. They know how to swindle each other. It's always a weird game with stuff like that. And there's some that are very good at it. There's some that are good with business. There's some that are good with... You know, and the, the, there's some that are just natural hustlers. Now, in my experience, those have always been kids who have had immigrant parents because they come here with nothing. And then they, they understand what it's like to work for something and they understand the value of the dollar and they instill those values in their children. And I had friends like that. I remember my friend Magic and I'm, I'm going through like a whole high school thing. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I really I'm just I'm, I'm going down memory lane with this one. But I remember I had a friend named Magic. That was his name, where it was like, Matt, his name was Matt Check. And of course, you know, in, in the schoolyard as a kid, Matt Check translates into magic. And it fucking stuck. And, it, you know, that, that's what he was called. That's how, that's how I met him. But Magic, he was like a natural. And I, I don't know necessarily how to describe him in that sense, but he was always this natural business guy. He knew how to talk you into doing something. He would be 16 and he would just walk into a bar and say, hey, I would like to throw a, a music show here or a comedy show and shit like that. I remember witnessing him do stuff like that. I used to ride around with him in the car. We used to pick up McDonald's. We'd have a junior chicken and a large shake, and then we would go from bar to bar trying to put on music shows. And he would, he would, get in a fu- he would dress in a fucking suit and talk to these people and swindle them into to putting on a show at 16 years old. There's some people who are just good at doing that. They just have that innate ability to talk to people from a very young age. They just have that, that classic charm about them. And Magic, uh, Magic did that. He put on his own show at the Irish Center. with the, uh, the It was like this Irish club uh, on Ridgeway Drive in Mississauga when i was in my senior year of high school he would have been in the 11th grade this was in june so this was close to about 12 years ago now and it was at the irish center and it was he he booked a bunch of bands he was 16 17 years old booking bands to do a live concert off school grounds in a private organization in a private place and i i remember everything leading up to that he got me to host it that was really my first real time going up and doing stand-up. I remember I, I, I consider my first official time doing stand-up, doing Yuck Yucks a few months later in September of '09. But this was the first time I had actually hosted an event. I told a couple jokes. I remember it was just probably just really fucking weird shit, just probably, just probably about drinking and f- having sex. I was a virgin at that time, <laughs> so, but I, I had a bunch of sex jokes, and it was funny, whatever. People, the adults probably – Saw right through me because there were adults in the room. They weren't just going to give the room to all the the, the kitties. But uh, we had a it was a fucking wild night. And I just remember there were tickets and you had to pay to get in. And I remember I got paid and security got paid. <laughs> Magic hired a bunch of kids telling them that they were going to do security. And these were kids who were under 18. They have nothing even close to they, they don't have a fucking blockbuster ID card, let alone a security license. And he got them, he said, yeah, you guys are going to do security. And he just hired my buddy Farhan and my buddy Aleem, both of whom I still keep in touch with. I still keep in touch with Magic. Most of these people are still part of my life. But he tells them that, yeah, you, Alex is going to host. You guys are going to be security. And he's like, "I'm gonna, we're gonna do a security tutorial. Like, we're, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the moves or whatever." So magic brings Aleem and Farhan into his backyard, and is just showing. And magic was a big wrestling fan, and he's just showing them fucking wrestling moves in his backyard. He's like, "Yeah, this is if a guy comes up to you with a broken bottle, uh, all you need to do is just put him in a suplex," and I, I think that resolves the situation pretty, pretty quickly. That's that's a pretty efficient way of uh, gaining control of a grown 35-year-old adult with an inanimate object in his hand looking to kill you. That's what you do. Yeah, and he's just putting the—I the, think he spent an hour just putting them in headlocks. But again, like, this is so—and I'm in no way making fun of him. He's going to listen to this and fucking probably—this la- that that, that this is just— Fucking stupid teenager shit. I did stupid teenager shit. I think this is fucking hilarious and he should own it and and, and be proud of it. But it is uh fuck, it's so funny. Uh but I, I remember that time and that that was one of the highlights of my teenage years, my senior year of high school hosting that show with a bunch of my buddies. And with the security, they eventually just hired the 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 Iris Center hired their own security. They were like, I don't want these two fuck these are children guarding our door. These kids are a liability. Get and again, these are Irish guys, so you know, get get Patty and Seamus over there, and just tell them to guard it. And I remember there, there was like a fight outside and just a bunch of shit. And I, I think a bunch of kids robbed a bus. So there was a school bus in the parking lot of that plaza, and a bunch of kids that were that came out of the show, they were drinking in the parking lot, and eventually broke into one of those buses. There was some shit like that. Oh my god! But that was. Uh, that was a time, anyways. You had to. There, there were printed like paper tickets that you, we were selling to people. You paid like whatever five bucks to get in, and that was it. But there were kids who. One kid got a hold of a ticket and went over to a nearby convenience store where they had a photocopier, and he photocopied a bunch of tickets to give to kids so they could get in for free. And we caught onto that pretty quickly. I don't know if there was anything we could do at that point. Like, it would, we're not, you know, we're not going to sue the family of a fifteen-year-old for doing. But I, I just remember that being a fucking hilarious night. And uh, Magic was like my manager a couple times, or he tried to, he got me gigs. Like, that's that's how efficient he was at doing stuff like that. He was, he, he, he fucking hustled. And again, like, we would have had like these, we would have these weird teenage fights You know, and we wouldn't talk to each other for a couple years, but then we'd bury the hatchet, and it it was what it was. And then he would start managing me again. He got me gigs multiple times. I remember when I first started doing comedy, he was one of the first people that stuck his neck out to get me a gig, or to try to at least get me a gig with a student, like with a television show. And there was this basic cable, uh, uh, there was this basic cable network in my neighborhood that magic would, uh, was talking to and phone and said, Hey, I have a buddy who's a comedian. He's very talented. He's been doing it for a while. I'd really only done probably one set at that point, but Hey, if you, uh, if you guys want to talk, uh, if you guys want to meet him, uh, you know, I'll, I'll send him over. So I remember I'm coming home from school. This is probably October of 09. I'm coming home from school and he's waiting for me in a suit in my driveway in his dad's car. And he says, get the fuck in. We're going over. I think I got you a gig at this basic cable station. So I hop in. I'm dressed in, I guess, like plaid. That was my that was my basic uniform at that time. But we go over and we get to the station. It's like five minutes down the road. It's like in these like this industrial complex. And he brings me in and it's like this public access show. By this local kid, he had like a talk show and he had like this guy who worked for, he was like a, a, like he, he took pictures of like nude models or some shit. I don't know. He's probably been canceled for something, whatever, but that he was a guest. And then there was a kid from Degrassi that was on. It was like, there was, it was like a whole production. And uh, those public access shows are creepy. I knew right away that something was fishy about this. Not fishy in terms of it was illegitimate and illegal or something. But there was just something weird about it. It would have been a weird first gig had I got the job. I didn't. Spoiler. But I remember we had to sit before we got to meet with the producers because Magic wanted me to talk to them. He, uh, We had to sit and watch the show. So we watched it for about an hour and a half. And public access shows... I've only watched one of them in person, and that was it. But I i think I have them figured out. There's a certain vibe that they bring, right? If you go to an actual talk show, like a network talk show, whether it's The Tonight Show, whether it's Late Night with, with Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or whoever the fuck, Steve Colbert, any of that, those are people coming from halfway around the world some of them they haven't seen new york city before and they're there and again regardless of how you feel about them they just they want to see the show it's part of the a lot of people think it's part of the new york city experience to see that and they're there for public access shows it's all it is in the audience is just local whack jobs that just hear the word show and think automatically they're going to see a celebrity when really it's just it's just guys who live Around the corner who have like a lawnmower shop that just desperately needs a place to plug their business before it goes under. They owe a bunch of money to loan sharks. And they really need to pay up or somebody's going to be in crutches for Christmas. Anyways, we were there with a bunch of those types of people from the neighborhood who were I don't know, you know, had some, there were some lazy eyes in that audience, let's just say. Anyways, I didn't get the job, but the, the producer didn't, <laughs> Magic phoned the producer, the producer forgot who Magic was. It was just two, it was two 18 year olds <laughs> just trying to meet this guy and, and he, he didn't know why we were standing in front of him. But it was what it was. Anyways, Magic Hustle, he got me that, uh, he got me that opportunity, which, you know, granted fell through. It was what it was, but he got me a couple others. And, uh, what I'm trying to say, like, there's very few people that are able from a young age to put their neck out and do stuff like that. So I give him credit for that. And, uh, that's just a funny little memory. Uh, I guess I should talk about a movie very quickly before I, uh, before I end this fast and furious nine came out F nine, uh, F of of course is for family. Uh, no F, uh, F nine came out. And I, I've never been a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. I, the, the evolution of those movies, I don't think there's evolution like it in film. Now, there's been genres that – there's been film franchises that have changed genres in a sense. Like they've they've become a little light. Like the Scream franchise got funnier, progressively funnier as those movies went on, Right. 1 was funny it was satirical it had its moments but then 2 was also funny 3 Jay and silent Bob just show up out of nowhere it was like a, it's a comedy film in a lot of in a lot of ways but Fast and the Furious it was it started out as this corny fucking monotone street racing movie and then the second one was even more boring and and odd Vin Diesel was gone from that one and then you know 3 and 4 whatever you know, the third one it was Tokyo Drift. That was what it was. And then fourth. And then, he, yeah, he comes back for the fourth movie. That's a dud. But then the fifth movie just turns into this heist film where they're robbing some vault and just dragging that down the street in Brazil. And, and thus the new Fast and Furious era was born. And I don't even know what to think of it. Just every movie, they are just, they're just trying to out-stupid the last movie. They're just trying to, they're trying to go, oh, you thought that was implausible? Okay, well, wait till we... I, I'm waiting for them for the next movie to just teleport back to the land of the dinosaurs, to just do do a whole Fast and Furious movie during the prehistoric era. Have the. It, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's, that's that Jurassic World Fast and Furious uh, rumor that they were doing that, that lit the internet on fire a couple weeks ago. I think that's what it's going to be. I think they are going to time travel back to the... The, the time of the dinosaurs, and it's going to be Vin Diesel trying to outrun a Tyrannosaurus rex. or trying to outrun a pterodactyl driving stick. But uh, R.I.P. Paul Walker. I miss Paul. Wa- Paul Walker should be uh, apparently like the rumor is at the end of the film, like his character shows up and you don't see him get out of the car, but he, his car pulls up and it's supposedly supposed to be Paul Walker. That's the rumor that I'm hearing. I think I saw the clip, but uh, I think he was the most likable part of those movies. Paul Walker was not the greatest actor, but he also wasn't a terrible, he wasn't, also, he wasn't a bad actor. There's something in between being a bad actor and being a thespian. Paul Walker was in the middle. He was a guy who was very good at playing that bro character, that bro character who was just there. He said his lines. You liked him. That movie Joyride, another car movie. It was a thriller with him and Z- Steve Zahn. It was like a highway thriller. They're being uh, their two brothers being chased uh, through the desert by this uh, crazy trucker guy who you can't see. It was kind of like the movie Duel, but it, Paul Walker was great in that. He's behind the wheel the whole film and they're talking on this old CB radio. They're fucking around with this truck driver who they end up pulling a, like a prank on and the prank goes wrong. Somebody gets killed and uh, they end up getting chased by the, this guy out of revenge. And it's, it's this very, uh, very gripping, thr- not actually gripping is the wrong word. It's, it's, it's cheesy in a lot of ways, but it's very effective in that way. It's funny. It's thrilling. It's the whole thing. Anyways. Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to say that Paul Walker was very good and I miss him being part of that franchise. I, I checked out at number six of those, but apparently they go to space in this one and it's just, it's been Vin, Vin Diesel just can't. Except the fact that his movies are, they're, it, they're for eleven-year-olds, but yet he always wants to tack on this fucking silly family theme. Every movie, it's about family. No, it's not about cars and explosions and guns and killing people. It's about Thanksgiving dinner. It's about, it's about family. It's not about speed racing and car crashes and all kinds of and all kinds of fancy lights and paint job. It's about your grandmother making racist innuendos during Easter supper and making the entire table feel uncomfortable. It's about family. No, it's not about hitting the gas and going 120 miles an hour down some freeway in the middle of the night. No, it's not about some vapid car company that you've never heard of. No, it's not about highway robberies and machine guns and anything like that. It is about about overcooking the turkey at Christmas and having your entire family, including your racist grandmother, resent you for it. It's about family. Stop taking those movies so seriously, Bintis. That's all I'm trying to say. Anyways, today, this was a, a very fun episode. I enjoyed this very much. Uh, I think I'm applying myself. This is episode 37. We're getting close to 40. I 40 really, is not really a feat of any kind. I, I'm waiting more till 50. But I think uh, I think I'm getting the – I'm finding my voice, everybody. Don't you love it when an artist says that, that they're finding their voice? That's all we need is more artists finding their voices. You know, but I, I think I'm I'm getting the hang of this podcast thing. As as Jordan Peterson would say, you're you're applying yourself to something that matters to you. That's what you're doing. That's what you need to hold on to. That's what you need to you need to find the lion and fight it. You need to find the Tyrannosaurus Rex and 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 out. You need to outrun the Tyrannosaurus Rex with Vin Diesel, only to turn around and charge at it in your in your cereal box, car. That's what you need to do. All life is is a is a Fast and Furious movie in reverse. Anyways, something's off. Podcast. Follow me on Instagram. Follow the TikTok. Just uh, don't leave any cheesy messages <laughs> about any fake parties. Uh, there it is.